I met a personal friend of Erica Mills. I met her about uh, 12 years ago, I'd say, and she was instantly likable. And she always wanted to be a mom. And finally, she's now a mom of three lovely boys. And uh, her oldest child, I he struck me. It was so interesting when I first met him. I mean, I think he was just a little bit over one. And he was uh, courageous and fearless and kind and still is, I should mention. But this is how he struck me when I first meeting him. And uh, just really advanced for a one-year-old. And he, you know, continued on to be uh, exactly like that and very advanced and, and just an absolutely uh, dream kid. And then about... Um, uh, under a year ago, Erica and her husband started to notice some changes. Erica joins me on the show right now. So, Erica, thanks for being here live in person. It's good to see you. Thank you for having me. And uh, what happened? So it was about uh, it was after the school year ended last year, and our son had a wonderful school year. Um, he was thriving and really involved in school and sports and happy as anything. And over the course of the summer, we started to see him acting strangely at first started that he couldn't answer any questions in the affirmative. So we would ask him, do you like this song? He would say, I don't know. I might, maybe, might, maybe. He couldn't answer if his name was his name. And, um, you know, at first we took note, but we thought kids can go through different phases. How old was he at the time? Seven and a half. Okay. So that's unusual. Right. Perfectly happy, normal child. Mm -hmm. And uh, within the course of two weeks, he was debilitated with OCD. Of course, I did my research, and my mother's a physician, so she's always been very helpful. But uh, it got to the point where we were at his happy place at the cottage in the summer, and I couldn't get him out of the bathroom because he wouldn't stop washing his hands. Mm. And he would tell me, I have to do this. And I would say, you're clean. It's okay. And he said, I know I'm clean, but I don't feel clean, and that's the difference. So, of course, we assumed OCD, Mm. um, and I know that there are, you know, lots of behavioral therapies and and remedies to help kids, you know, overcome OCD. But it was the sudden onset of this OCD that really alarmed us, and I thought, is this how this happens, that someone can— go to sleep a healthy child and wake up completely debilitated. So that's where I started researching. Um, I took him, you know, in an emergency state to sick kids because he started threatening his own life because he was so upset by his compulsions. Seven and a half. Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite alarming. What does that feel like for a parent? Oh, goodness, you- it is every parent's worst nightmare. And, um, and, and we knew we had to uncover the mystery of what was happening to our son. So you get into sick kids. So yeah, and they, you know, they had the same first impressions as we did that he had OCD. Um, But it just something, you know, my mother instinct told me that that was not the problem and that there was more to his story. Um, Luckily, because my mother is a doctor, I could bounce any kind of research I found Hmm. off of her. And I started to read medical journals and found an article on PANDAS. So PANDAS stands for Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Streptococcal Illnesses. So strep, as we know it, strep throat. Uh, It just seems that Knox picked up a strep throat virus, like most kids in elementary school, and his immune system, instead of attacking the strep virus, uh, it, it it, it attacked his brain instead of the virus. So it is an autoimmune reaction. It is his immune system. Um, getting the wrong message, but his brain was in fact being attacked, and that's why we saw these symptoms. Do you remember him having strep throat? Yeah, and you know he's been very prone to strep throat, as a lot of kids oh. are. Um, but you know, as you said, I have three boys, so I'm not always on the ball. And when they have colds, it's hard to always go in and get them swabbed. Right. But in this case, my mom said, oh, "Well, let's swab him just just to check." 
and she saw a perfectly pink looking throat. She said, I will be dumbfounded if I see a positive swab from this. She swabbed him and ensure, sure enough, it came back positive. And then we had his blood work done and his body's response to strep was, it was just tremendously high. So sick kids, the next time I went, because we were in dire straits, he was non-functioning. I couldn't, his um, motor skills had regressed. Um, he had restrictive eating. He had insomnia. He couldn't leave the house. And this is all in the course of one month. So the second time I took him back to sick kids, I was, I was insistent that they even admit him because I knew something was gravely wrong with him. Um, but when they saw his blood levels, they said, we are referring you to our, our pandas clinic. And so that's when they... Normally, strep throat is, is, you know, sore throat and the kid's under the weather, right? That's how it would... Uh, right. A, a, re- a very strong right. sore throat and a sore throat that doesn't improve through the course of the day. It's as bad in the morning and lunchtime as it is at night. So you have been um, working with the Canadian Pediatric Society to petition, uh, or you're petitioning the Canadian Pediatric Society um, yeah, we're, to educate their organization. There's a lot of parents out there, you know, who've done a lot of research like myself, and there are great specialists in the country. Um, I think it's important to note that there's there's clinics for pandas at Harvard, Stanford, Columbia, Georgetown, and Sick Kids has a brand new clinic. It's still in its initial state, but the demand for these clinics and for just general information for physicians, they really need to know about this because it is very, very newly named. It's mm-hmm. only been kind of a recognized illness for a few years. And so it's estimated that one in 200 children have pandas, which would make 11,000 children in Ontario. But it's often misdiagnosed as a behavioral or a psychiatric illness because of the psychiatric symptoms it presents with. So, you know, our mental health system is getting clogged with these huge lineups um, when it actually isn't a psychiatric illness and it can be treated. How do you treat it? So antibiotics is the first line of treatment and an inflammation because it is pretty much an encephalitis of the brain. So the brain is inflamed and that's what brings on these psychiatric symptoms. So... Antibiotics will start to work for right. a panda's kid within a week or two. Um, I mean, as soon as we started our son on antibiotics, we started to see the boy we knew return to us. And it was heartbreaking and wonderful at the same time to know that he was responding to the treatment. Um, and the key is that early diagnosis and treatment will help these children to thrive do we think that this has been around for a while? Do they surmise yeah. that there might be some yeah. adults walking around just with pandas? It's, just because it's a newly named disease doesn't right. mean it hasn't been around forever. It's just that we're recognizing now that this there's this connection. And it's tough because there is no diagnostic test, but there is diagnostic, diagnostic criteria for these kids. Mm. Now, we're lucky that our son had a clear-cut case. His strep was positive, his strep teeter, and his blood was high, and he had all of the diagnostic criteria. So he's kind of a textbook case and we were able to, you know, figure out his condition quickly. But for most parents, they go to doctor after doctor who have never heard of pandas or who are resistant to accepting, you know, the idea of a disease they have not heard of yet. I went online and I, when I first heard that your son had pandas and I Googled some videos and there is this amazing video, you've probably seen it, of this young girl trying to study and she's in university. I think she's American or, you know, and she's saying, you know, I'm trying to study right now and I'm going to, I have pandas. I'm, my, I'm having a, an outburst here 
and uh, a flare up and uh, my tick is going to kick in in a minute and it's just you see her whole you know she's trying to study she goes I'll just do my homework and she's flicking through her homework and then her whole body contorts and her head goes back and her mouth goes open and she just loses physical control for a minute like maybe 20 seconds and then she goes back to get to it and she says you know and you just watch this happen continuously it's devastating I I haven't seen that um you know, our son never had ticks, mm-hmm. but that is one of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and an older kid would be able to recognize it as, as such. But imagine for a seven-year-old, that's or even younger, a four-year-old's. You know, parents see their kid change in behavior so dramatically, and that kid cannot understand what's happening. And we have a problem with people wanting to fix things quickly with drugs, right? And so I would imagine one of the problems is if you go to a doctor and the doctor's not educated on this, they're not looking directly, you know, for pandas, and they think, okay, well, it is presenting as a psychiatric disorder. Uh, We could put them on some heavy doses of psychiatric, you know, uh, drugs, but the root of the problem is actually an infectious trigger. Right. I think what always worried me was that are we treating the symptoms, but underlying the underlying issue is that his brain's inflamed. So I wanted to get under that. And, you know, it's hard. And and as any autoimmune disease, it will flare um, when they're exposed to the trigger. So in this case, strep. Um, But I, I wasn't feeling comfortable just treating the symptoms. I wanted to make sure his brain was taken care of. So there is an anti-inflammatory component to antibiotics. And, um, you know, he's also on immune modulator, which is just a naturopathic drug. And we went out to BC to see Dr. Isla Wilson, who's a naturopathic doctor. And uh, she also agrees that antibiotics are the mainstay of treatment. Now, he also did have to go on some psychiatric meds just to get him out of his downward spiral because he was in such a bad place with his infection in the summertime that we we were worried for his life. There's a ripple effect to pandas as well. And you mentioned this uh, in your petition to the uh, Canadian Pediatric Society uh, that, you know, your group has been working on. And the ripple effect is that it puts unnecessary strain on community services and school educators and support staff and on the medical system. So if the doctors knew what to look for right away and could treat the child and the child wasn't going through these terrible outbursts, ticks, things that get in their way of functioning as a normal child would, uh, you know, would save a lot of money and a lot of time yeah. in many different areas of society. So we're not just talking about the, you know, the microcosm that is a family, which is super important to everyone, but we're talking about a, a, a macro problem too. Yeah. So that's part of the reason I'm here today is that I really feel like it's my duty to increase awareness to the general public and also to the medical community. Um, I'm involved with a nonprofit called Pandas Pans Ontario, and um, we are parents who have learned a lot about this disease who want to bring it to doctors um, and educators. So we are um, bringing in Susan Sweeto, who is the grandmother of this disease, who actually coined the name Pandas Pans. And she's coming to Chatham, which isn't close to Toronto, but I'm going to be making the drive. Um, She's going to be educating doctors on the advances in pandas and there's been a lot more press lately and Mm -hmm. medical journals on pandas and you know it will gain traction and doctors will know about it but it's up to us to kind of challenge our doctors and make sure that they stay up to date on the current disease states. Well, Erica, I wish you the best of luck. So far from the government and from the Canadian Pediatric Society, you know, what are you hearing? Are you encouraged by their reaction? I had a great day about a month ago lobbying the government, the provincial government at Queen's Park, and we had a unanimous vote um, for an advisory council with the Ministry of Long-Term Health. Um, So that felt really good. So we will have some input with the government. And yeah, it's just all about awareness and 
and talking and knowledge and supporting each other. And you got a petition going here? Um, I ha- That is before my time. But okay, yeah, we're working and, on it. <laughs> and so the petition, if people want to sign this petition, where do they go? Do you know? Um, I find our best resources are pandaspansontario.org um, or pandasnetwork.org. Those are our best sites for information and uh, just to learn more about these you know, really common but rarely diagnosed diseases that are affecting our children. Very frustrating. Very frustrating, I'm sure, for parents. And uh, I think it's good that, you know, you've come in today because I'm sure there are a lot of people dealing with this. If you said one in 200 children are affected, then there's got to be people listening going, oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. That sounds like our kid. That sounds like our grandchild. That sounds like our neighbor's kid. That Just to get the word out, I think, is extremely important. So I thank you for your time. Yeah, I think the, the number one thing to, to say is it's a sudden onset of OCD and um, behavioral changes, personality changes, insomnia, um, anxiety. You know, it's, it's the acuteness of this onset that makes it different than just a um, psychiatric illness. Thanks so much, Erica. Thank you for having me. Cheers. It's Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.